0: J.R. Manga presents The Blood God. Narrated by J. Forrester. the Knight's Templar Trials. Trial 1. Receive the Gift of Christ. Jesus' blood is on a simple white cloth that was used during the Flagellation. If successfully ingested, the Knight will be blessed with unique and supernatural abilities, increasing their speed, strength and dexterity. Trial 2. Train in advanced combat and weapon techniques. These are gruelling regimes that give minimal rest, pushing a person's body to its limits. Chapter 1 Tavern of the Dead July 1944 Sunset "'Tell me again why we can't just kill these fuckers here and now, eh?' wondered Peter, with a throffy beer in his wooden mug." "'Because we need to wait for the bishop, and we need to understand these familiars to better understand their master,' replied Virgil behind the dusty counter, pulling a pint for himself. He turned to look at the seated Japanese man that was covered in darkness. "'Jubey, you want one?' Although the man was blacked out, Virgil could see him nod. He poured him a beer, with the white clouded head perfectly level. Virgil slammed the drink on the dark wooden counter that smelled of pine and oatmeal. Take that to him, would you? asked the African knight politely, looking directly at Peter. What am I? Your wife? The young knight of British origin pinched his feminine eyebrows together, peering up at Virgil with a distasteful expression. And why are you talking like that? Where is that strong Nigerian accent gone? As defiant as he sounded... Peter still picked up the mug, turned, set it down on Jubay's table, saying, ''Here you go, my dear,'' and went back to the bar, awaiting a reply from Virgil. ''I was taking a lesson, I mean lessons, in speech from your brother before he died. He was adamant about correct pronunciation,'' You can communicate better with the white man and grow accustomed to our silly western ways, he said. Virgil had one finger pointed upward in thought. He also said that, Let the white man show true colors when addressing a man of African intelligence. He'd always laugh at that part. I never understood why. Peter burst into hysterics, which made him spill some of his drink. He slapped his leg. "'That's our Matthew, all right,' the old boy. "'He laughed because he thought people's hatred towards others was pathetic. "'In his letters he told me he felt nothing but pride having you by his side during missions. "'Good, I miss him.' "'Me too,' said Virgil with sad eyes. "'Me too,' said a foreign voice in the dark corner, "'making both knights turn to look in that direction. "'They made a glimpse back at each other with sharp smiles.' Jubay was the type that never spoke unless he had something to say. You could probably count on one hand how many times the man had spoken in a month. The door to the tavern was open, windows were open, curtains were not drawn. The sky was a deep orange that made its way through to the special parts of the wooden bar, like the bottle of spirits behind Virgil, making them sparkle and glisten or the piano in the far corner that sat between something grand and something extremely ancient, which was the precise feeling the knights had felt in this whole Italian country, with its crumbled buildings, trucks, and burnt-out tanks. Then you'd look to see the Roman Colosseum or the stunning architecture of the Vatican City. However, their location was a simple village that sat miles away from civilization, Virgil was hunched on the counter, slurping his beverage. "'Tell me something. "'If ten knights couldn't defeat this thing, "'how the fuck does the bishop expect us to?' "'Questioned Peter with an angered passion in his voice. "'We are not here to kill it. "'Judging from our skill set, "'I can only surmise that we are sent here to subdue the creature "'and place it in an item to possess.' "'You're joking!' I didn't come here to place the bloody thing in some Aladdin lamp. I'm here to avenge my brother. I'm here to kill the pissing thing. I know, Peter. I wish it were that simple, my friend. The bishop will tell you more when he... Ah, speak of the devil? Virgil fixed his gaze away from the British knight. The vibrating stomp at the door and the complete blockage of the lowered sun made Peter pause and spin around. What the fuck? he thought. Gentlemen, said the low voice of a large man with light brown skin, a bald head, and thick black hair that occupied his entire face. His clothing had a unique difference from the rest of the knights. Whilst every knight wore their own version of the standard issue white body armor that was made with interlayered weaving fabrics that could stop a stray bullet or sharp object, The bishop's plating was a chroming brass with a light red robe or a cloak, depending on your mood, tied around the neck, flowing outward like a cape. Under his right arm was a steel medieval Roman helmet with a brass faceplate. It looks brand new. Anyone could have mistaken the thing for a dull mirror. Look at this fancy cunt, thought Peter as he could see small golden crosses woven into the cloak's fibres. The bishop stepped over the corpses to reach his alcohol destination, accidentally stepping on the tanned hand of a native, a native that shares his ancestry. The subtle crunch made Peter shudder. What a mess, he said, leaning on the counter, placing his helmet upon it. Peter frowned and looked the bishop up and down with an analytical glare. Where's your weapon? My body and my soul are my weapons, my son. Son? Who the fuck is he talking to? I'm no one's bloody son. I bloody hate it when people talk in riddles. Ah, you must be the infamous Peter Hub. A pleasure. Patronising bastard. Tales of your missions are quite legendary. Is it true you held off a general alone until reinforcements arrived? Who's been flapping their bloody gums? Peter turned to Virgil, who knew the look instantly. He just shrugged and looked away. I'll get you for this. Yes, it is true. What's that got to do with... Ah, excellent, my son. Truly, praised the bishop cutting off the British knight who narrowed his silver eyes in response. The nervous guy. Would you like a drink, Bishop? asked Virgil, smiling. I certainly would, young man. Make mine a scotch with plenty of ice, my boy. The bishop twisted his body to face the dark corner. Both he and Jubei exchanged an unnoticeable greeting. He grabbed a stool, but the one he touched was covered in dry blood so he picked up another one and seated himself, fidgeting so that he got the right angle for comfort. While chainmail armor was more practical in combat, it was the least practical in everyday use. The bishop gulped his liquor, asked for another, and then emptied his glass quicker than the time it took for Virgil to finish pouring. For some reason, this impressed Peter. "'Come round and be seated, my son.' said the large armoured man staring at Virgil behind the bar. The African knight moved and manoeuvred so he wouldn't step on the sprawling bodies, then sat at Peter's table. What's this all about, Bishop? Peter's patience now won completely thin. I apologise for the cloak and dagger performance, gentlemen, but confirmation was needed, and I will not send more of my knights to their deaths. I also had to check the other buildings for corpses. Time is short, and dusk will be upon us soon, so I will be brief. The bishop locked eyes with Peter, which made him frown. Your brother was an amazing man, Peter, and though he was your brother in blood, he was mine in spirit, and I still mourn his death, as do many others in the order— Rumors of vampires have spread over the years which you all have had dealings with one time or another, but only a few have dealt with a true vampire, a pure blood, a noble, so to speak, and fewer still have ever met the master of the vampire race. Peter couldn't contain his laughter. He sat his arm on Virgil's shoulder but stared at the bishop. What a load of ravish! Bloodsuckers are real, I admit, but a master is at a poppycock. Dracula, (laughs) He tapped Virgil's shoulder, thinking his childish humor would be mirrored. It was not. Instead, Virgil slit his eyes and shook his head disapprovingly. It is true, Peter. There were two entities among the Order. No one believed to be true until it was too late. That being the demon that possessed Jack the Ripper and Dracula, disclosed Virgil with a deep and serious tone. Gladio, thought the British knight. Peter, I understand your reservations, but I would not speak on such things if they were not true. You of all people should have an open mind to such unholy beings. Peter nodded at the bishop. Good. Well, as I was saying... Dracula is in fact real and very much alive today. I have met him and I have fought him. I would say that his family of nobles equaled the power of a demon general, but he is on another level entirely. Now I would say this because this is all relevant to our current crisis. The bishop got up and walked around the bar, pouring himself another scotch, clocking his eyes to the darkening sky. You all know how we operate. We follow our noses when it comes to the external scum, but vampires hold no scent. They cannot be tracked. So we must follow clues, rumors, and a trail of corpses until we reach one. Unlike externals, these abominations work like an army, a network, if you will, or like the demons of hell with their hierarchy system. But one failed attack and they fall back, assess where they have gone wrong and proceed with more caution and intelligence, making them nigh impossible to catch. However, a new rumor reached us. Folks were coming back to life, graves were being unsettled, people entering the forest leading up to this village would never return. And worst yet... Tales of bodies being drained of blood would be scattered around the woods. In the night, that body would be gone, but in the day it would be seen laid out somewhere in a location not far from its original spot. Like someone had moved it, or it had moved and returned there itself. Virgil and Peter looked at each other nervously. They didn't like where this was going. Another drink... The men nodded so fast it was like their heads were shaking. The bishop poured and walked over to their table, handing them another set of filled mugs. He walked behind the bar again and could see that Jubay was still taking his sweet time with his ale. As you can imagine, this odd behavior had an air of vampirism to it. As externals eat their prey, they never turn. Well there's never enough of the victim to turn. Anyway, we sent a knight to investigate, and he was never seen again. God rest his soul. Unless he was dealing with a general which would have smelt, it didn't make sense. So I ordered ten holy knights to investigate these strange events. None were happy about this, Most, including your brother, thought I was over-exaggerating with my concern. Peter could not believe what he was hearing. For weeks it was like his brother's death was a complete mystery. No one had answers. He couldn't grieve properly. He couldn't mourn the loss of his loved one. Just the anger crept in, and that anger was filtering to the order he served." The vow he'd taken with his brother was something he felt proud of. It was like his faith in God was a light that shone in his sibling, and when he died, that glowing light of love was slowly becoming dimmer. Only Jubei and Virgil kept him going, kept his faith strong. Virgil had spoken briefly with the bishop almost a week prior to the mission, but he was very cryptic when he spoke. Virgil determined that a powerful enemy killed Peter's brother, which was alarming, as Matthew was one of the strongest knights to have been blessed by the Lord. He told Peter, and suffice it to say, did not take the news well. But it seems that my over-exaggeration was justified, as none that ventured into this town returned alive. Apart from your brother, The British knight was readying himself to say something, but Virgil placed his hand on his shoulder this time. Let him finish, Peter. After the incident in the Vatican, which I now believe is connected, your brother escaped the creature responsible for this atrocity. The passion and upset in the bishop's voice made Peter's eyes widen. It was nice to see someone else care as much as he did, as much as Virgil and Jubay did. Your brother had life-threatening injuries, and someone picked him up on the road, saw the cross on his armor and contacted the Vatican. The people in town gave him comfort, as did I before he died, Peter. The British knight could not hold back his tears. Virgil wrapped his arm around him, and Jubay's head was bowed, with both of his gloved hands interlocking together as he prayed before matthew passed he told me that this creature and its familiars were not vampires the creature itself is not a pure blood or noble he had dealings with them himself it was your brother that fought alongside me when we battled dracula and his family of misfits he knew the difference and similarities in these creatures He told me to set aside what I thought I knew of these bloodsuckers. Their master claims he is Dracula's better, that he is the blood god Deus Dominus. Matthew held no shame in telling me that I could send a thousand knights and it would not make a blind bit of difference. It would only enhance its power further. Jesus said Virgil as he looked down at the ripped up bodies that now appeared more sinister, like death was a pretense. Before their mission commenced, they were told that the bodies of the villagers could still be present. They were not to touch them, and they were not to move them. They now understood why. The legends of vampires were partly true and partly fabricated. The fabrication was created by some prideful warrior, Virgil thought. Someone that wanted to give humanity hope with an unconquerable enemy of supernatural strength and power. They had no issue with sunlight. Maybe they were a little weaker, but not much. Garlic, crosses, what a joke. Silver, yes, that certainly worked. A holy weapon of the Knights Templar, oh yes, that most definitely worked. Yes, they looked beautiful, their tone becoming paler or darker depending on their heritage, but their skin would be as flawless as an infant. Its texture would be smooth, soft, and equally as cold. At night, well, that was a different story. At night, they could choose to keep their stunning visage or transform into something far more demonic and animal-like. None protruding snouts, scarlet eyes that bulged out of their sockets, ears, wings, and canines of a bat. Hence the fables, and massive misshapen bodies that are at least two feet taller than the tallest man. And let's not even think about the nobles, with their forms and abilities differentiating like the breed of a dog with a strong pedigree. Externals work alone. They possess a human and act in direct correlation to the sins of old, which makes the godless bastards predictable. But vampires work as a unit. They are calculated, smart, driven, and their scent is completely masked. Only the smell of blood on their tongues make them detectable. They are by far the night's deadliest enemy, and their numbers are growing with each passing day. So to have a new adversary that shares the vampiric gene, this was the most disturbing discovery indeed. Bishop, why do they need to sleep in the day? What is this blood god you speak of? asked Virgil with a hard swallow. Look, they're waking, announced Peter, gawping at a man whose broken arm was twisting back into place, with fatal injuries around his body closing up. Do you see their wounds? These were once killed by the previous knights. Now you see the problem, and why they are more threatening than the regular vampire. These familiars are nobles in their own right. The bishop walked to the front of the bar, eyeing the twitching female that looked exactly like the picture sat in between the bottles on the bar's shelf. The top part of her head was sliced off, and there was a nasty stab wound in her chest that made a small bloodied hole in her yellow blouse. He lifted his heavy metal boot and stomped her head into a red mash of muscle, bone and ichor. Virgil and Peter shot up, knocking over their table and chairs. Before any of them could speak, the bishop continued, I crush her head now, and depending on how much blood she has drunk will determine how well she heals. Meaning, if little Madam's thirst was particularly ravenous, she would use that blood to heal even this. He took his massive foot away, wiping the gulpy mush off the bottom of his armoured boot. These vampires, gentlemen, are truly, and I mean truly, immortal. Peter counted seven bodies that were rising. Oh, bloody hell. I will utilise your abilities accordingly, as we must conserve our strength for the fight to come. We will wait outside whilst Jubei deals with these infidels. Watch how they move, as their strength is not far from a pureblood's. Chapter 2 An Evil Night Dusk Howls, roars, and cries were the tunes sung by the dead in the stone tavern that was now doused in a thick red, a red that leaked and seeped into the greyish dirt outside. The knights watched carefully with their silver eyes at the dance Jubei performed as the enemy voiced their tortured songs of agony. The way he moved with his katana was a sight to behold. None were faster than he with a blade, and the supernaturally fast creatures could not keep up with his flurry of attacks. Not only did he slice, cut, and dismember, he diced and chopped. It would take a significant amount of blood for these creatures to heal again, which was the point. Although stranger still, in death, a steam of red mist was seen entering the remains. Multiple rivers of mist that came from the haunting forest ahead. Another reason why the bishop wanted the bodies left alone. What's with this mist? questioned Peter, holding up his hand to touch it. I do not know, replied the bishop. Jube stepped out of the tavern with not a speck of blood on him. He took a white cloth from his back pocket and wiped his blade before sheathing it. The armored bishop glared at the blood mist closely, then looked at the splattered pieces of meat in the open doorway that gave minor movements when the misted streak entered them. Ah, all is clear now. Indeed, we do have a serious problem here. What is it, bishop? asked Virgil apprehensively. It is not only the blood that gives them new life, but this mist... A mist that comes from the blood god himself. Do you think it works both ways? Like, whenever they feed, this blood essence is sent straight to their master. The bastard wouldn't need to expose himself then, said Peter in contemplation. Virgil smiled. This was the Peter he knew and loved. When his anger subsided, the man was a genius. A worthy theory, Peter, and one I am inclined to believe judging from the evidence. That evidence being that only Matthew and our brothers had laid eyes on the blood god. You are correct. He does need to expose himself when he receives a fresh supply of food by the minute. His own hunger must know no bounds. Their armoured leader turned to the dark forest. A clear path of flattened earth and embedded stone led into its tunnel of arching trees. Its branches of non pleasing shapes moved with life against the silent wind. The night was a breath of ice, too cold for this time of year. A profound evil was upon them. The mist filtered the skies and the stars in a rosy haze. They know we are coming. We must prepare our bodies for the movement of these creatures. We will use these familiars to train before facing their master, the bishop regarded Peter. Assess our next call of action, my son. The British knight glimpsed at Jubei and Virgil before responding. Um, well, I think one of us should scout ahead, bite them, and draw all of them out right to us. Use the village as a choke point. We're surrounded by high mountains, so they would fixate in one position. Jubei would have enough time to recover, and we can fight as a unit. But if one of them is more powerful, then I believe in order to adapt, we should take equal turns fighting it. I think... Oh, I don't bloody know. Peter looked away from his comrades and stared up into the mist that had a scent of copper and raspberries. How the heavens have truly blessed us with a miracle this night! I have heard of your intellect, but to witness it in the flesh, well, I am utterly mesmerized, my son. Peter's cheeks went bright red. Jubay and Virgil sniggered. What are you two sniggering at, eh? The bishop couldn't help but give a minor chuckle. I shall scout ahead, announced their armored leader. Virgil, I want that sword flying past me as I bolt to you. Yes, bishop. Peter, I want you jumping from rooftop to rooftop. I want you moving behind those houses. They cannot flank us, understand? Yes, bishop. Jubay... Do what you do best. The Japanese knight gave a quick bow. The bishop clicked his helmet into place, then walked away, with his shined armor making a distinct metalized sound of a heavy tin man. His cloak flapped against the eastern wind. The knights could have sworn the noises in the forest were getting louder as he approached. How in God's name will he bolt anywhere with that bloody armor on? A question was thrown out for either brother to answer. You'll see, said Virgil, grinning. Chapter 3 In-House Training Nightfall Bloody hell. Sounds like the Allied forces are in there, said Peter in preparation. Wrapping a specialized bandage cloth around his sharp axe. Ground-shaking bangs were heard and felt. Branches gave a reverberating crunch and the thick trees were seen falling in the distance. I think the bishop is enjoying himself a little too much. The man lives for the fight. Virgil released his long silver sword that held Latin engravings of holy scripture on the blade a feature every holy weapon has. His sword had a stunning cross guard that curved at the ends with black wood cocooning the connecting metal grip. Hmm, said Jubei in agreement. His eyes closed and his legs crossed as he sat in a meditated state next to his brothers. Bang! Bloody hell, they're getting closer! Peter frowned, then turned to face Virgil. What kind of knight is the bishop? Ah, I forgot. You were knighted by your brother. Matthew, me and Jubay were knighted and trained by the bishop. He doesn't look a day over thirty, but I know he is very old and one of the first. So his whole armour is a holy weapon. I get it now. But that armour is Roman. Meaning what? Meaning... What if he saw Jesus himself? What if the knights were founded with him and Christ? What was that word you used? Poppycock. <laughs> Peter scowled at his companion, but shook his head. Guess you're right. By the way, when can I use your sword? It looks all shiny, and I want it. Peter, you know how holy items work. They can only be used by the knight it has chosen. Your bandaged cloth can turn most things into a holy weapon, can it not? Yes, it can, but I still want yours because it's shiny. An erupting laughter came from both knights, which surprisingly included Jube. Well, I'd better get to high ground. Be safe, brothers. Peter turned 180 degrees and ran, gaining momentum before springing onto the roof of the southwest house. Be safe, brother, whispered Virgil. The shooting speed of the bishop in that heavy armor had Peter's mouth open in full, though it was not only the bishop that caused this, but the wave of new vampires that followed out from the shadowed forest behind him. They were extremely fast and agile, jumping from tree to tree like ninjas. Some were natives and some were clearly undergoing a demonic transformation. Their foreheads were splitting open and leaked a thick mist. At least a hundred blood god warriors. The hidden engravings in the bishop's armor now glowed a crown gold and seemed to have gotten brighter in his forearms. A swarm leapt above his head, and he leapt himself in return, but twisted in mid-air and smashed the ground, dragging one of them down with his mighty fist before pounding the stone dirt. A tornado shockwave cleared many of them away, but it was as if the wind itself held an explosive power as it obliterated their entire bodies, sending their limbs flying out into the trees. In fact, Two of the trees were destroyed at their base, causing them to avalanche down and crush the advancing army of undead fiends. The rest flew around the bishop. Some were dashing into the street, and some were sprinting onto the rooftops. Virgil stood ready on the right and Jubei on the left, both leaving a gap in the village centre. Virgil aimed his sword at an angle like a rifle, lifting his elbow firming in stance. And then, his blade shot out like a bullet of a gun, extending the blade to an immeasurable strength, screeching the sound of a train emergency braking. It entered the chest, heads, and torsos of at least fifteen monstrosities, but many dodged. This did not save them. As the sword rushed back to him, slicing more on its return, the bodies would burn from the mere touch of his relic item. But it was obvious that a wound must be inflicted in key parts of their bodies. Peter's hands radiated a brilliance of blue aura. His cloth bandage had a loose end that elongated for distance. Holding the cloth end, letting the axe swing... He spun his axe as he moved, wasting away any that came within his space. A native that was bigger than Peter held out his hands to grab him, and only his shoulders were left by the end of his blood-lusting lunge. Peter made sure to slice away the bastard's head. His weapon acted like the propellers of an airplane, with its hurricane force and mutilating capability. The tiles on the roofing could not hold the weight. He could feel them giving way so he jumped whilst waving his dicing axe all around him the river of blood that now flowed on the ground was equal to the mist in the air peter jumped back and forth over virgil and Jube, whilst the bishop edged closer to their position taking out whoever was in his line of sight They all could feel the renowned strength given to them by God, increasing their speed and raw power. Although their hands were smothered in red, they burned blue. Like the foes they were facing, they fed on the holy energy and they distributed it magnificently. This enemy was the worst. These familiars were as quick as the deadliest external, as vicious as the most ferocious demon. They held a lustful savagery that made vampires seem reserved in comparison. A knight could not deny there was a beauty of elegance to the vampire species. But these… these were animals. These were externals and vampires blended into one abhorrent being. Their thirst would destroy this world when it needed time to heal. Jubei could hear them enter the buildings. Then more approached, arched down, arms flying behind them. The red smoke from the slit in their foreheads made them appear cosmic. Jubei stood. Then the monsters were behind him. The echoed click of his weapon bounced off the stone walls as he sheathed it. And in that exact moment of action from his katana and scabbard, the monsters' heads fell away from their necks and a scarlet liquid jetted from their open throats. Some fell to the ground in two halves, their bodies shaking as the mist entered their flesh. Jube then ventured inside the buildings on his side, and Virgil followed suit whilst the bishop held off another few that jumped out from the demolished woods. But what followed them sank the bishop's heart into a grieving anger. Two holy knights with the blood of Matthew on their weapons. The big knight, John, With long coal hair, the blackest of eyes, a thick beard with a scarred-up face, his massive pale hands gripped around his great sword, and Miranda, who was equally as tall, with beige skin and eyes that were as pitch as her partner's, holding two small swords, both jagged like a saw blade that grew larger on command, the Lord's grace had left their eyes but the holy strength in their trained muscles would only be improved upon their new master and God. From Matthew's injuries, the bishop knew it would have been these two that landed the final blow that sealed his fate. Multiple stab wounds, ravaged cuts and gashes, and a broken ankle. His will to survive in order to give them the information needed regarding the enemy was a testament to his heroic spirit. The armored leader shed a glittered tear that mimicked the star that fell from the twinkled sky at that exact moment. The horrific sound of carnage had ceased, and only three enemies were left. Peter's nose for tracking a scent was nowhere near as potent as Virgil's, but he could still make out a smell that he knew all too well. Matthew, but how? Peter jumped and flew through the night air, landing right behind his brethren. He was on one knee when he landed. He glanced up quickly in hopes that his own senses did not deceive him. And they did. And they didn't. Yes, he smelt his brother's blood, but it was dried on both weapons the holy knights were holding. They were also smiling. Then... Miranda exhaled a tormented giggle. All knights were preparing for their next battle. Bishop, said Peter calmly as he walked in front of them. I never knew exactly how my brother died, but now I know. These lot were possessed, and they killed him in cold blood. There was no honor in it. As soon as these cunts were bitten, they should have killed themselves, but they didn't. They were cowards. Are these the kind of people you let in your order? The ones that act as though they are God's champions, with not a shred of courage in them. Had they feared death that they would allow themselves to be turned. A disgrace is what this is. Look, she's bloody laughing. All the righteousness, all the thinking where God's chosen. It's all a load of pissing bollocks. The bishop could not answer. His head tilted down when the difficult question was asked. Peter, I don't want to hear it, Virgil. Not now, not ever. I am only going to say this once. You lot go on ahead without me. I will deal with these fucking pagans myself. My son. Peter looked back at the bishop, just waiting for him to say something he did not agree with. I am sorry. Truly, I am. When you are finished with these traitors... Follow our scent. Be safe, my son. Peter nodded with a curled grin. Guess the old man ain't all bad. No matter what the bishop agreed to, Virgil still didn't like it. It took a confirming pat from Peter to say that he would be okay. Be safe, brother, said Virgil in his heartfelt sorrow. Be safe, brother, and all stared at Jubei. Thinking the words came from a ghost, a pat was also given to him. Right, off I go. Only graveled earth stood between the end of the village and the forest. Peter made his approach. Oi, I will be your opponent this evening, and I'm going to be the death of you lot. John and Miranda froze their eyes on the British knight. Although only Peter would realize this, Conscious thought electrified the brains of the enemy that stood before him. The thought that crossed their minds was, Kill and turn this brazen knight. Then find the others and turn them as well. Their lord will need an army of strength if he is to defeat Dracula. The other knights ran to the far right, crossing into the unpathed woods of horror. Before entering the shrubs, Virgil had a final glimpse of the battle, and immigrating images of Peter flashed in his mind, one being if they defeated him, then he would have lost another brother, and his heart just couldn't take such a loss, not again, and the other image was knowing how well this man could fight. Being so young, he has the ability to rival the bishop's fighting prowess, but the second image in his mind overlapped the first because if Peter turned, then the Blood God would have one of the strongest knights in his arsenal, one with untapped potential. Chapter 4 The Castle of Deus Twilight The forest was no longer a forest, but a mass graveyard of bodies and small craters, As they followed the streaming river of mist above their heads, Virgil had burning questions that had to be answered. Bishop, you are holding something back from us about this blood god. No more secrets. We deserve the truth if this will be our resting place. Virgil's persona had completely changed. His own anger was forming in his soul. You are right, my son. You deserve to know everything." They were walking fast, gaining lost stamina. But they wanted to reach their destination quickly, so they picked up the pace, moving to a semi-jog. I do not know the details, but the part of Deus's power was sealed in a cloak, which was found somewhere in the Middle East. Someone would wear the cloak and it would drain their life force. I conclude now that it was gaining energy. This issue was brought to our order, and Matthew retrieved it. He locked it away in the Vatican archives, which is standard procedure in such cases. Centuries later, an incident occurred in St. Peter's Basilica, which if you don't know, was built above the archive itself. The Vatican was aiding civilians, and one day when the priest returned with food and new clothing, they were all gone. They completely vanished, the lot of them. Not a trace of evidence was left. He checked the archives and only the cloak was missing. What you need to understand is that the blood god predates Christ. We discovered that Deus is even older than Dracula, Why they hate each other is anyone's guess. But if we can perform the holy rites, we can exorcise this demon filth. Have you ever performed an exorcism with a possessed item before? Quizzed Virgil. Yes. However, it was extremely difficult to vanquish, as there is no soul to battle the demon. They reached the derelict castle that sat on a vast mountainous landscape. Occupied by a shadowed greenery hillside areas and vineyards, the palace had a long sandy coastline behind it, which would usually match its structural color, but not this night. Only a grayish shade painted its thick walls, and the red air gave the fortress its final tint. Leaving behind the extravagant scenery only the bishop entered, opening the wicket door with the smell of death filtering through his brass helmet. He passed the main gate and battlement towers into a flamboyant courtyard and could see the ruby stream flowing inward and outward from the largest part of the building. Peter's theory was correct. Dark doorways that led to spiral staircases echoed pained voices. It was hard to determine if they were living people or spirits that were housed within the evil stonework. The thought of acute evil was not only from the creatures he had just fought, or the impending doom that Deus had instigated, but the fact that the walls themselves were bleeding profusely. The flow of it puddled to his feet, splashing up his shins as he took each heavy step. This castle is evil incarnate. Damn this demon to the pits of hell, he thought loudly in his mind. A mind that heard the voice of another. I shall await
1: your arrival in the main hall.
0: The bishop was shocked to a halt. He shook his head sporadically, rattling his skull against the inside metal. What kind of witchery is this? Are my thoughts not even my own anymore? They are not. No man
1: of God is safe from my power. Now come. I do not wish to bleed you, priest. Well,
0: not yet. The chuckle was beastly, and held the note of an incubus, one that took depraved pleasure in the malice it inflicted on the human populace. And so the knight moved on, trudging through the red mud, reaching the arching doorway of the hall. He cautiously entered, creaking the tall door open, one slow step in front of the other, His massive hands clenched into a metal fist ball. The corridor was black. Anything could have caught him off guard in the colorless void. His own metallic footsteps did not bring him any comfort. The beating of his heart thumped harshly through his chest plate. He saw an ambered light ahead that flickered like it was possessed by a roaring flame. Now reaching the entrance of the main hall... The size of it mirrored the courtyard outside with its grand and luxurious dimensions. The fire crackled in the hearth, a newly made fire with fresh logs. The smell of blood reeked from the fireplace too, its wind smoke curling high into the wooden beams of the ceiling. The layout was big enough to fit an audience of the theatre. A decadent red rug of Egyptian imagery ran from the stone hearth to the church-looking window on the opposite side. It was the only one bringing any light into the hall. His reactions to random noises was feral, but he could feel something in the pit of his stomach. He turned from the fire. In the corner by the window was a huge figure. The window was already substantially high off the ground and this thing came halfway up to it. The figure was shapeless at first, but its silhouette was forming into a human outline. "'Welcome, Bishop,' spoke the voice, the same voice that was in the Knight's head before entering this accursed place. "'I wish to speak with you. There is no
1: need for any more bloodshed. ''Do not fill me with your
0: sweet talk, you unclean spirit. Say what you will, plainly,'' yelled the brass knight who squeezed his fists just a little tighter.
1: ''Very well. I am the calamity that will bring death upon you all. I offer you a chance to become my guardian. I offer this to you and your holy knights.'' I was impressed with your display of power, and I want it." The shadow
0: grew. Now the bishop saw exactly where the stream ended. There was a gaping red split from its center head to the beginning of its stomach area. The sinister mist inhaled and exhaled from the slit, like a contraption that needed gas pressure to function. Its head carried a majestic black crown. A Dark Lord indeed. The cloak had ragged ends and the night fabric covered the entire demon from head to toe. Not one organ was exposed or could be exposed with how this entity looked. The plan must work. We cannot let this thing leave.
1: I used to be human. A long time ago.
0: The bishop did not move. He knew he had to keep his distance.
1: I was a great king that bathed in blood, dined in blood, and fornicated in blood. I sought ownership of this world even then, and for my devotion... I was bestowed in immortal power from the great Lucifer himself, but he abandoned me.
0: Its voice was getting deeper as it went on.
1: He said my bloodlust was out of control as it wasn't just humans I fed upon. He said I was an experiment gone wrong, and he banished me to that infernal ether. But the power I hold is sought by many, as no other demons had it. So, Satan created Dracula from my own blood. The audacity of it. Keep monologuing, you bastard. I will feed on this Dracula next. I will feast upon his pale flesh. I will be... Bathe in the blood of the innocent, the pure, the mothers, and their babies," whispered the Deus in a
0: snake-like hiss. The changing pitch in his speech had made the bishop frown multiple times during his sadistic declaration. But
1: I get ahead of myself. What say you to my generous proposition, mortal?
0: I say your thirst is your greatest strength and your greatest weakness. I say because we have dispatched your familiars and they need the blood to heal, you cannot feed properly. I also say that you do not have the same power that you had when we first arrived in this village. Deus Dominus, I say you are finished. How dare you... The blood god turned his ghostly body to the window as a radiating beam of blue light was drawing in closer, blinding through the glass. The symbols on the bishop's armor glowed and he rushed at the demonic figure that was now doused in light. It belched a gut-wrenching screech, shattering the glass before the stone crashed through from the other side. The beam of blue energy, the size of the blood god but curved and thin as a katana blade, passed through the creature and completely detached that side of the castle. The structure now compromised rumbled like an earthquake, making all manner of debris smash to the ground. Wailed the demon lord. The bishop ran at the beast and punched the air, creating an explosive power that sent Deus ploughing through to the open courtyard. Dust, stone and debris covered the mammoth. The stolen blood was leaving his body. This was the plan in full effect. To keep Deus talking, to weaken him by destroying the familiars first, to apply attacks that were at a distance as his cloak was a part of him and can react from his will alone. On his deathbed, Matthew told the bishop how it impaled the previous knights, turning some of them instantly. It would impale then drag them into its center like it had multiple ways of infecting its victims. Virgil and Jubay also prepared by covering their scent in blood, and were preparing to expel the demon or contain it once more with unique belts that have been blessed by the Pope. As Virgil stated earlier that night, they all have a particular skill set. Jubei utilizing his, with a focused energy slice from his sword that can be dispersed at a great distance. Virgil's sword can expel any demon instantly from its host, but he would have to get close enough for this to work close enough to subdue the beast, expelling it from the cloak and binding it to a less problematic item. Like a bloody jug, as Peter would say. Another part of the original plan was for the Bishop and Peter to fight and distract the enemy so Jubei could get a clean shot. The percentage of success dropped considerably when the infected knights showed up. But at least they succeeded now. They can hurry and aid Peter. Hopefully he's okay. All was ready, and they stood circling an angered deus dominus, first of his name. Jubei was ready to send another slice through the squealing giant. He squatted down, hand on hilt. The bishop spoke as loud as he could, spouting passages from the Bible, the same used to perform the rites in an exorcism. The blood boiled at their feet. The cloak on the creature was reacting and moving in ways so unnatural that the knights had to really focus on the task at hand. One wrong move and it would be over for them all. They spoke the rites of God, now shouting them, waiting, waiting. The blood god was unable to leave the circle. An invisible force knocks the bastard back to the ground as it tried to slither between the gaps. Nois devil, thought Virgil. If he stopped speaking, the barrier would weaken. I must wait. Damn, we need Peter. Please, God help us. More of the building drops behind the bishop, sending out another flood of debris. This cannot hold forever. I will kill you all. A promise made by the blood god, but a promise that could be fulfilled if they waited any longer. The creature's cloak seemed to have stopped moving, and the slit in the center of the beast seemed to have closed. Yes! Now is my chance! Yelled Virgil, as he gunned at the laid god that appeared defeated and in pain. No! Wait! screamed the bishop, and a heart-breaking laughter was heard by the being in the circle. Just as Virgil flew up and descended on Deus... A mountain shape formed in the fabric of the cloak and jetted up towards him, impaling his right chest plate. Only a deafening sigh was voiced by Virgil as it held him eight feet off the ground. His blood looped down the impaling shaft into Deus, and the slit in the center of his body was opening. Jubei let rip. The destructive beam shot through the blood god again, chopping off the lancing fabric that suspended his comrade. The bishop jumped and caught him, scraping the red liquid away from his heels. He placed Virgil down, gathered an immense power in his armor. Jubei quickly jumped to his position, crouching right beside Virgil's shuddering body. Electric gold was sparkling from the bishop's gauntlets, He flashed forward so quick that no eyes or camera could register him, and he punched the air, like his hit connected to the demon's menacing frame. Yet it did, in its own powerful way, and the blood god was sent flying straight into the rubble of the castle, and this time, the entire east wing crashed down upon its head. The bishop's chest was heaving fire. His breath left his helmet in respiratory intervals. Ah, kill me, pleaded Virgil as he felt the change happening. No, Matthew told me you have five minutes before the change fully takes hold. Jubay, with me, we will bind this devil even if it kills us. The bishop did not turn when he spoke. His glittered eyes were on the obliterated castle. In his agony... Virgil took his own sword and ran his blade through the same wound. Ah, fuck. The puncture was now surrounded by squiggled lines of blue. The wreckage was becoming disturbed. The stones were gathering inwards. Then, a hail of rocks exploded from the ground. Deus arose again with the blood of a holy knight in his veins. An external... Even Dracula himself would have burned from the inside out from such exposure of holy blood. What kind of terror is this? Both knights rushed at their enemy, but they could not best him. They managed to deflect his stabbing cloak, but they just couldn't get near the thing. Jubei would let his beam of light fly through the air and Deos would be cut, but the cloak would fuse back together a few seconds later. The bishop was beyond tired and could only move so that Jubei could strike. Then, as soon as the bishop misstepped off the rocky debris, the blood god had him, this time using its towering arm to swat aside with a force that sent the big man ting into the wall that led out into the country. Jubei made the wrong move by rushing over to the bishop. Regular Jubei would never have done such a reckless thing. How tonight's events have affected the way he fights. The sudden weight of loss. He has been alone for so long. He never expected to feel this way. To care so much. As the blood god stabbed the fabric through his left leg, he wondered if this new feeling of care and family were a weakness. Deus's fabric limbs smacked Jubay to the other side of the courtyard. He tumbled, rolled, and splashed hard in the bleeding dirt. Virgil tried dragging himself over to his brother. If he had eyes on the back of his head, maybe he could see the ominous deus creeping up behind him. Chapter 5 The First Spectra Dawn It looked as though Virgil was swimming towards Jubei, as he dragged his long arms and kicked his legs to propel himself forward. He must use his sword to stop the change, although what good would it do? We are finished.
1: You will be my first guardian, Virgil, Deus said
0: delightfully. The Nightmare had ginormous arms with Lancelot hands and they were reaching down to grab him. He closed his eyes. My brothers, I shall see you in heaven. Pour me a drink. And as the arms came down, so did it waste away. Deus fell back, spiking his body all over to stab whatever it was that was moving around him. The damage that was done was enough to make a blood god scream. No such noise had come from the demented beast before. Its legs were being wasted away, like the god was dropped on the blades of a helicopter ready to take off.
1: Curse you. Curse you. I'm going to
0: eat you slowly. Then its head was diced away from the nape. This unstoppable force moved around faster than the spikes could jet out from the cloak, moving in all the demon's blind spots. The blood god was completely helpless. Virgil couldn't clock its movements. It was too fast, and the blood and dirt were stinging his eyes. He got to Jubei's quivering body and stabbed his leg. I'm sorry, my friend, he said reactively, thinking a scream would come. Jubei didn't even cry out, because he focused his pain to watch the god of vampires drop to his knees. With half its body sliced away and its severed frame collapsed before his eyes, Virgil spun his body around and saw a rotating axe return to its owner, nowhere near the size of the flattened god, yet he used that to his advantage. Truly incredible... The armored knight thought this as he walked over to him. Are you okay, my son? The pain of a broken rib was heard in his voice. I should ask you that. It was Peter, covered in cuts and bruises. He did not sound the same anymore. He was strangely cool, controlled. Why did this worry the bishop so much? How did you move so fast and best this creature in such a way? no idea. When I fought those two bastards back there, I could feel myself getting faster. I cut off both their heads, the bishop frowned. He was very disturbed. Then I came here and watched its movements for about three minutes. It couldn't shoot its spikes from its legs and whenever you wounded its body, the spikes were much slower because it used its power to heal the parts that were damaged you scare me, boy. (laughs) Matthew used to say that to me. Virgil was holding Jubei up, limping over to them. Hey, shouted Virgil. Then he stopped, as did they all, as a light so strong and a scream so painful came from Deus. His cloak flapped and joined together once more, but dropped away, Splatting the ground like the material was made of slop, revealing a naked Italian man who fell from it. The damn cloak was moving again. Bishop, get those holy belts now, screamed Peter. The belts were around the waists of Virgil and Jube. Peter moved towards the naked man, picking him up and placing him a few feet away. The knights stood shocked. They had no way of containing this damn vampire cloak. Bishop, we don't have enough time. I'm going to put that damn cloak on, and I need you to tie those belts around me. Understand? The cloak was moving more, like a person was underneath it, waiting to possess another. If you don't, we're all dead. Is that what you want? The bishop could do nothing but shake his head like a child, but he shook his head to reply to the question. What are you doing? Peter, don't! Cried Virgil with one arm out to him and the other holding up his brother, who looked directly into Peter's eyes and nodded. The deadly young knight fell into the cloak, and it devoured him like it was starved of a meal. Its whole composition changed and morphed. The boiling blood from the ground and walls was now being sucked straight into the fabric. The bishop moved fast, grabbing a belt from Virgil. He unclipped it and moved behind Peter like he was performing a wrestling move. He hooked the belt in place with its solid rectangular buckle made of pure silver, the Lord's Cross engraved in its center. Now the sound of Peter was heard. Virgil and Jubei were so close that if the cloak attacked, they would surely be struck again. Part of the cloak tore away from the head. It's working, hollered Virgil. Jubei unbuckled his belt quickly and threw it to the bishop. He wrapped and clipped it around the young knight's chest, just below the other one. Peter's body moved like he was being attacked, his voice of pain traveling for miles in all directions. Then suddenly, almost abruptly, it all stopped. Peter fell to the ground. And the final drop of surrounding blood was fully absorbed by the demonic cloak. The bishop made no hesitation when going over to him. He knelt and removed ragged clothing from Peter's face, clothing the previous owner was wearing. The jet black cloak looked completely different, with a high connecting collar that coved around his neck and lower jaw. His skin was now the tone of snow, Not just in its appearance, but in its touch as well. His short brown hair had turned to the color of the night sky. It was also longer in length, as it was now down to his knees. He moaned, and then opened his eyes ever so slowly. Then, a loud groan came from the naked Italian who awoken, cursing and asking in his native tongue if they were the ones that took his garments "'How dare you wear the Lord's clothing, you godless animals! I hope the Germans shoot you!' he said before spitting on the ground and making his exit. "'How do you feel, my son?' asked the bishop, hosting a thankful smile, appearing overjoyed that his comrade was still alive. Peter stared at the bishop with new vermilion eyes, beaming a devilish grin with vampiric canines." I feel like a god. The End R. Manga presents The Blood God. Narrated by J. Forrester. Copyright 2022 by J.R. Manga and VHS Reader. All characters and events in this publication, other than those in the public domain, are fictitious, and any resemblance to real persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. All rights reserved. No part of this publication may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form or by any means, without the prior permission in writing of the publisher. The publisher is not responsible for websites or social media pages or their content that are not owned by the publisher.